Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hello and welcome to the worst podcast on Mars. I'm Amanda. I am tired of your shenanigans. <laughs> I didn't even do anything. I don't care. That's Evan. And this is the podcast that uh, talks music. We're working our way through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of 200 definitive albums. And we're giving you the history behind it, some interesting facts that we can find. And by we, I totally mean me because Evan just shows up. And we're charting information, trying to figure out why it's on this list. And this week we're doing Sarah McLachlan's Surfacing. Before we get into that, hi. Hi. <laughs> do you have any corrections from last week? You don't even know what last week. We do this every time. I ask you if you have corrections, and then you're like, uh, and then I say, do you even know what last week was? And you're like, no, do you? And I say, no. So, do you know? I know what last week was, but I haven't edited it yet, so I don't know if I have corrections. Janet Jackson? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, still no corrections that I can think of um but yeah you can totally hit us up with some corrections worst podcast on mars at gmail.com in case we said things wrong you because you're the one who talks i'm the one that's giving the information (laughs) which i researched by the way researched is in quotes okay so let's just get into it uh like i said we're doing sarah mclaughlin's surfacing it was released july 15th 1997 and is number 136 on this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. So Surfacing is McLaughlin's fourth studio album and was released just 10 days after she launched Lilith Fair, the all-female music festival in Washington. I think I've heard of that. I don't think I knew that was her. Oh, really? Well, you're going to find out more about it. So at the time, she was just coming back from a long stint of touring and her relationship with keyboardist Dave Kershaw was going south. She needed a break, both physically and mentally. The creation of Surfacing wasn't easy for McLaughlin. Her previous album, 1993's Fumbling Towards Ecstasy, did well and was the Canadian's international breakthrough. However... The singer quickly discovered that with success comes touring, and she wasn't quite ready to do that so fast. Your hand is up. What do you want? So you said it was the Canadian breakthrough? It was the Canadian's international breakthrough. Okay, so she's Sarah Canadian. Sarah McLaughlin, who we're talking about, is from Canada. Okay. And this was her international breakthrough. Okay. I didn't know she was Canadian. That's how words work. And I lost my place. My MySpace. place. My MySpace. My <laughs> However, the singer quickly discovered that with success comes touring and she wasn't quite ready to do that so fast. In a 1997 interview, McLaughlin noted that she was completely messed up from being on the road for so long and that she, quote, lost a lot of herself and had a huge writer's block. She knew that recording an album led to touring and being back on the road, which she didn't want to do, so she didn't want to finish the record. So... Fumbling Towards Ecstasy came out, and it did well. She was on the road a lot, touring, and the label's like, great, let's put out another album. You know, you're 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 popular. Let's... Strike all the irons hot yeah. kind of thing. But she hated touring, and she was so exhausted by it, and she's like, I, 
I can't because as soon as I put this out, that means I'm going to have to get back on the road. It's not the same thing, but it's like the Beatles said, we're not touring. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're sick of this. We've, we've done it. We don't want to do it anymore. We just want to release music. But she's not at a point where she exactly. can ha- where she can pull that card. Exactly. So fumbling towards ecstasy was only album number three. This one was and it four, wasn't so. And it wasn't one of those like, what would have even been the Beatles' third one where they where they had that success where they can say okay, because if the Beatles had wanted to stop after three, they might not. They there might have been some pushback, but they could have probably said it or or somebody like an elvis who had that immediate mm-hmm. connection yeah so on top of all that things got stuck in production producer pierre marchand who had worked with mclaughlin on her previous album kept re- reworking the sound for surfacing to get it just right and was working well into the spring of 1997 he was beginning to become overwhelmed and stressed out over the project, having to listen to the songs over and over again. However, McLaughlin's record company, Network, pu- pushed to have the record finished as they were aiming for a summer release. So, on top of McLaughlin kind of putting things off in, you know, just procrastinating to even get it done, the producer wanted the sound to be just perfect. And it got you listen to the same song 50 times, you're like, just, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, so he had to keep walking away because he was, you know, probably going to shoot himself and just, that's poor choice of words, but, so it, it was a combination of the two. So the odd part for McLaughlin at first was the timing of the release of this album compared to Live Affair. Even though this album was released just 10 days after the start of the festival, she was playing songs from Surfacing, and that meant that no one recognized the songs. In the end, it didn't matter as the album took off, Live Affair took off, and McLaughlin took off, appearing on the covers of Time and Rolling Stone, and your hand is up again! So, Woodstock was a three-day event in one location. Yes. Like a warp tour is a multi-city thing. I don't Coachella's one date, correct? Or like uh I know there's a couple like uh incarceration is a three-day mm-hmm. festival. Uh Sonic Temple's a four-day. How many dates is this and is this a is this a static location for Lilith there, do you know? Can I finish my notes? No. <laughs> so, back to my point, ignoring your question. So, the album was released. Okay, Little Fair started, ran for 10 days. Not ran for 10 days. Little Fair started. 10 days later, Servicing was released. But at Lilith Fair, she was playing songs off of Servicing. So, nobody... Knew the songs. Yeah, nobody could. Which is, I mean, it's fine to debut an album or, or an album, a song or two. But it's just, it sounded like she was doing a lot from this album. And nobody knew. So the track Angel was written about John Melvoin. Do you know that name? No. Okay, so we all know Angel 
is the song that was used in the... Is the sad dog commercial. Is the sad dog commercial, the ASPCA commercials, where they try to get you to, to donate. So the track Angel was written about Jonathan Melvoin, the touring... Ge- the, sorry, touring keyboardist for Smashing Pumpkins and the brother to Susanna and Wendy Melvoin of The Revolution, which is Prince's band. Melvoin died in 1996 due to a heroin overdose, and Angel spoke of being non-judgmental during such a time. So it was, it was written for a death. It was written. It is a sad song. It was meant to be a sad song. But the story about the way he died was sad. It was a heroin overdose, and it just kind of broke people. So... that is what the song was originally meant for. You said Lil Affair was 97, right? Yes. Okay, because I'm going to look on set list. Cause because see. you can't be patient and wait for my well, no, fun I'm fact. Gonna, no, I'm going to see how much of the album she was playing. Okay. Fun fact. Lil Affair was McLaughlin's baby. She was the one responsible for the idea and creation of it with the aim to showcase female acts in order to boost their popularity in such a male-dominated industry. The idea came to her due to her frustration that radio stations would not play two songs by female musicians back-to-back. As a test run in 1996, McLaughlin teamed up with Paula Cole for just four shows. Are you even paying attention? Like, this was your question. Yes, so it's four days okay. in 96. Because of her vision, ambition, and leadership, Lilith Fair turned into a smaller music festival to a much, turn, turned from, sorry, a smaller music festival to a much larger one that ran for three years and had over 100 shows and showcased female artists like Cheryl Crow, which is on this list, we did, Tracy Chapman, which was very popular recently because of Luke Combs' cover of Fast Car, Jewel, who is on this list, Fiona Apple. I don't... Is Jewel on this list? No, she's not. Sorry. I'm confusing myself. Fiona Apple and Lisa Loeb. Despite that, McLaughlin had to defend the festival every step of the way, noting that it was, quote, either too feminist or not feminist enough. And I know that really didn't... Answer my question. But what was your question? Like how many? How many days? Yeah. So it started with three. I don't really know how many each year was, but I remember. So it ran for three years. The test run was in 96. The official one was in 97. And then it was one in 98 and one in 99. Well, I'm looking at set list and it's given Lilith Fair 97. Yeah. July 5th, July 8th, 9th, 10th, 19th, 20th. So it was multiple days. Yeah, and it ran for, it looked like, because I'm seeing dates into August. Yeah. So I don't know how many days it actually ran for. I don't know. That would be a big. But I'm on the July 5th one, which was the the one that was 10 days before And she might not have performed at every single one of them. Well, she, she had six from surfacing. On the July 5th show, which would have been 10 days before. Yes. Yeah. So six out of the, what, 10 tracks? So I only have two notes for, like, charting and stuff. Because 
a lot of what I read was overshadowed by Lilith Fair, so it was hard to find things specific about this album. Surfacing would go on to win two Grammys and four Juno Awards. It peaked at number two on the Billboard 200, hitting that peak the same day it entered the charts. It stayed on the album's charts for 108 weeks and is her best-selling album to date, selling over 9 million copies and going eight times platinum in the U.S. The singles released were Building a Mystery, Angel, Adia, Sweet Surrender, with Sweet Surrender peaking at number 28, Building a Mystery at number 13, Adia at number 3, and Angel at number 4. Okay, so you said the four? Yes. They, they were all played on the fifth. So that's all I have. Um, I think, and I talk a little bit about it, I'm pretty sure, during my reviews. Um, but Little Fair was huge right as I was going. In, like, 97 was my freshman year of high school. And so to see something like that, because what, what really stuck with me in these notes with was her quote about her frustration that the radio stations would not play two female artists back to back and i sat there and i'm like you know she's right even now like we listen to a bunch of classic rock stations at work and we listen to um like a vinyl one and there are classic rock artists. Pat Benatar is one. They play her a lot. Joan Jett. That's another one. Right now, like off the top of my head, that's, oh, Blondie. I hear a lot. I don't think I've ever heard any of those three female artists back to back. Heart. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm not defending the stations you know mm-hmm. i'm just saying there is a call it 75 25 or 80 to 20 split i know and, so and classic rock probably is a bad example compared on, to sarah mclaughlin on country stations i think you're more likely to hear it because I that's i think there are more female country artists than there would be female classic rock artists Probably. So I think you would have a better shot. Probably I think it depends on the genre, genre that you're listening to. Right. But she still had a point. But, but she has a point, yes. Your your top 40, you know, your normal pop, probably still does not. I don't I don't know. Like, we do listen to, um, like, a, a mix station out of Toledo. And so it plays 70s, 80s, 90s today. I... I don't know if I've ever heard two female artists back to back. So it, it was very interesting. But my point is, back when I was a freshman, it, I wasn't a huge fan of Sarah McLaughlin. But Lilith Fair was something that everybody was talking about because it was different. It was women only. I remember that. So, you know, it's... I think that's why this is on this list is because it it tied so closely to a huge cultural event that, you know, isn't around anymore. But I think 
it you know yes it did well but there would be no Lilith Fair without Sarah McLaughlin and surfacing played a huge part of that for her and Lilith Fair boosted her star status and surfacing sales so I think that's why it's on here you are looking at your phone I'm looking I'm trying to find the original lineup Mm -hmm. I'm seeing who else because I'm recognizing I I know of Indigo Girls you know I am looking I'm seeing what who would have been popular popular at the time and figured out what songs would have been on I saw a picture of a bunch of these artists and I don't remember I remember it was Paula Cole a lot of the names I already said Sarah McLaughlin Lisa Loeb um and I can't, I remember all of them standing together. But yeah, it was a lot of the popular ones. Missy Elliott was at the second one. Oh, really? Missy Elliott, Queen Latifah, Sheryl Crow, Sinead O'Connor, Meredith Brooks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bonnie Raitt. And then uh, there's a, I haven't gotten to the third year, but there's 99 Pretenders. I, I would not have picked a time frame for them, but mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know that band, but... So, question is, does it make sense to be on the list? For the little fair connection, yes. Yeah. I think starting... I think it's... Forget what he did with like Black Sabbath, but Ozzy, like, with the creation of OzFest... Mm-hmm. For one, for an album around that time, that would probably be discussed, or whoever helped like start Warp Tour for getting a bunch of these bands their start, mm-hmm. or like giving them a platform to work yeah. with. I think that would be worth an inclusion. Yeah. So I'm gonna thank my sources. Thank you to Sarah McLaughlin, Surfacing Turns 25 Anniversary Retrospective by Justin Chadwick, published July 13th, 2022, on albumism.com. Thank you to It's Got Great Legs, Sarah McLaughlin, Surfacing Turns 20 by David Friend, published March 28th, 2017, on torontosun.com. Thank you to Sarah McLaughlin on billboard.com. And thank you to Servicing by Sarah McLaughlin Sales and Awards on bestsellingalbums.org. That is four resources. Two of them were just to get some numbers. I could, like I said, everything was overshadowed by her work with Lilith Fair. And then, of course, the ASPCA commercial. So I don't, I don't remember... I, I don't think I t- tell this story in my um, in my review, but so she was talking about that. She did that because a friend asked her. The commercial? The commercial. And she kind of doesn't really like the fact that her song is constantly associated with that, like that it blew up the way it did. And she's, she's like, nothing against animals, but if I have to pick between a, an animal and a human, I'm going to pick a human. And, um, but, yeah, it just, uh, she didn't think it was going to do what it did. Yeah. So. Which, there are probably quite a number of musicians that lend their music to something and then real, without realizing 
how that's going to be taken and then be like, oh, I should not have made that decision. Yeah. So, all right, Evan, your review. Okay, so I have to break this up into sections. Okay? Okay. So the first part of this review is that you tell me, you said, hey, we're doing Sarah McLaughlin. I think, oh, crap. It's that sad dog commercial. <laughs> That's all I know. Like, right. I don't know. I mean, you Lil, Lil, I've heard of Lilith Fair, but that was never, that was not necessarily before I started paying attention to what was going on, but I was young when that whole right. thing would have started. And that's about, I couldn't tell you a song of hers, you know, other than, hey, I know that song. I don't like that song. Okay, we're going to move on. Okay. No idea what the song's called. I just know I don't like that. Okay? Yeah. So you tell me, hey, we're going to do this. I'm like, okay. So I make sure I, this is with my music project as well. I look at Wiki, I, I get the track listing, kind of make sure whether... It's it's harder to sift through, like I was looking for um, a Sabaton album recently, and I couldn't find the track listing specifically on the website. It was going to be buried, so it's easier just to say, "Hey, go to Wiki, go to Google, find find your track listing. Does it match? Close enough. Okay, let's go." So I go through the track listing. I'm like, "Okay, I got my tracks. Don't don't look into it any more than that." So I'm sitting there. I'm. I don't know. I'm playing a game and I'm having it on here and I'm listening to it. I'm like, okay, this is, it's not for me, but you know, it's not a bad album. And then Angel starts. And it took me a minute. I was like, I'm like, I'm like, fuck, I realize what this is. And I run on spite more than anything. So that tainted my opinions of the album (laughs) going forward. It's like, Damn it! I wasn't, I wasn't gonna keep anything off of it, but now I have a grudge against this album. <laughs> you know, which isn't fair, really, because it's not like she wrote no, it and but... then expanded on it after the commercial came out. It's but it was one of those things, like, you know, this was this was fine, and then it was like all of a sudden, so that's what tracks, I think seven somewhere in that range. So it's like the first two thirds of the album is. It's like a B, B minus. It's fine. And then it just, nope. I And the problem was I had to listen to it. I know. And that made it so much worse than that. It was, I'm just sitting there like arms folded. Like I'm not, <laughs> I stop. I put the controller down. I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and wait for this to be done. Stewing. <laughs> and then I don't like anything else off this album. I don't care. I just want it to be done. So, the back at the everything after that was like I don't even remember any of it. Not that I remember what came before, but it was one of those. There's a clear moment is when I realized what this album was. Do you think if those commercials never happened, that your opinion would be different? Yeah, I don't. I don't hate the song. You just hate the. I it's it's there are there are a couple songs. Or a couple movies, like, um, I can't think of one offhand, but there there are songs out there that you have associations with. And one, if you don't have that, like, 
like you you go to a funeral and you hear the song played at the funeral mm-hmm. and every time you hear that song now you think of the funeral right right so every time you hear that song so if if you go to the funeral and that song isn't played that song's not quote unquote ruined for you and gentle listener if you don't know evan it's he it's, is that's probably best for everybody involved if they he, don't know me he is a cat person don't you dare say you're a person person he he loves cats he i mean if we could turn our house into a cat sanctuary and and if i would let him have 50 cats no i wouldn't we would 49 no i'd probably go i'd probably keep it in single digits nine Eh, single digits he he adores them and he like it is very hard for him to sit through those commercials because like he can't look oh i'll get up and i'll either leave the room or turn or mute it yeah because he just it's it's sad (laughs) i remember there have been times where we've been watching something and we we can't skip through it because we're watching it live and something will come on and I'll mute it, and I'll make you watch it, and you say, okay, tell me when it's over. Yeah, because I'm dead inside, but it's, I get it, and I can see why that would ruin, and I I know that is an unfair opinion of the album as a whole. It was, it was, f- I, I will say this, I will go through at a later date. I'll go through the album again and remove that song and tell you what I think. Yeah. It's just... Because it, it's... It it's, evokes a strong emotion. It's fine. I mean, it's it's not anything I would keep. It's it's a little light for what I prefer. Yeah. But, you know, it... And I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it next week. I don't know what next week is, but I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say it for the next however many episodes we do production's fine you know songwriting i don't get into lyrics and all that that's fine it sounds musically good it's just not for me yeah you know it's a fine album it's just eh. yeah so you have nothing so prior is like a b the song itself and after that is probably a c to c plus just because it came on the back end of that and i was not happy yeah okay so so it would average to i i i think it'd be a c plus to a b minus but i will before next week i will listen to it again without that track and i will briefly touch upon it if you make notes on it to say do you have any corrections okay so my turn no all right so of course i was familiar with the bigger hits from this album there was no way you could get through a day listening to our local radio station without hearing building a mystery or angel and of course anyone who has ever seen one of those those ESPCA commercials knows Angel and how it just tugs at your heartstrings. I have to turn that off. As sad as those are, that was a very effective campaign. I've never really considered her stuff before. 
I knew these songs and some of her bigger hits from other albums, but I've never wanted to actually check out her stuff. I knew I would keep a few songs before I even started, mainly the bigger ones, because I do know them and like to sing along to them. However, I also knew that there would be a lot that I wouldn't care for. <laughs> I kind of knew what I was getting into exactly with this one and didn't think there would be any surprises. Although I will add that I was happy to learn a little more about Lilith Fair. I remember that being a huge thing when I was in high school and a lot of people talked about it for better or for worse. So it was nice to get a better feel of how that got its start. Because, you know, at the time... And I, what it's actually about. Because you may have known it, but you didn't realize like, what Like, why would I give a shit? You know, it's, oh, cool, these people are playing out of state that, you know, I'm not going to travel to. So why am I... I don't care. So as a whole, it wasn't bad. But I think it's along the same lines as Celine Dion and Anita Baker were. It's just not what I like. I do like her voice a lot, but I didn't care for those songs that weren't big hits. However... I'm not saying that I'm done with her. I'd be interested in checking out something else. I might not like an entire album, but I might like songs here and there. I think I enjoy her more than Celine and Anita, but maybe on a similar level as Cheryl Crow, I like the catchy mainstream stuff. Yeah, that's that's fair. I yeah. mean, it's it's fine, but it, it, it needs to be an upbeat one. Yeah. You can't listen. I don't think an album full of Angel would be good right so i kept building a mystery sweet surrender and adia i did end up adding angel for nostalgia purposes but i don't really know because i i like to to read the story behind that so yeah and you're like i don't know when i'm gonna play this yeah or you know if you're in the car and it accidentally comes on it is skip. but i gave it a b minus so Overall, these are my final thoughts, and I know you don't have any thoughts, but overall, not bad, but I couldn't get past those main singles. And even then, I think Angel might be ruined because of that damn commercial. It is interesting how it was timed with Lil Affair, which was something I didn't know, so that was, that's a today I learned thing. Um, I knew she had a hand in the festival, but it was interesting to learn more about it. It was a huge cultural event. I, I didn't even know how much she had to do with it. Like, I just, I knew she was a part of it. I didn't know she spearheaded the whole thing. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know really she was even a part of it. Yeah. I had just known that it existed. Yeah. So, that is all I have. Evan, let's get into birthdays. Which you clearly forgot to get ready. No, I didn't forget. Uh-huh. And I'll also say prove it. I had it ready, and then you distracted me because I had to go look up some Lilith Fair information. So, March 1st. Okay? American big band musician, arranger, composer, and band leader, Glenn Miller. He was the best-selling recordist artist from 1939 to 1943, leading one of the best-known big bands. In just four years, scored 23 number one hits. Uh, recordings include In the Mood, Moonlight mm -hmm. Serenade, Pennsylvania 6 5000. Pennsylvania 6 5000. And Chattanooga Choo Choo. On December 15th, 1944, look at me, while traveling to entertain U.S. troops in France during wor World War II, 
Miller's aircraft disappeared in bad weather over the English Channel. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Because In the Mood is so much fun to play. Well, I'm not in the mood for your bullshit. No, I know you're not. Um, 1911. 1904. Um, and we're going to jump. American singer, dun, dun, actor. Dun, 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 dun. You said jump. Copyright. <laughs> American singer, actor, and civil rights activist who had the 1957 UK number one and US number 12 single with Mary's Boy Child and a 1957 UK number two and US number five song with this, or 1957 UK number two and US number five with the Beetlejuice song. The Beetlejuice song? Hmm? Do you know who I'm talking about? Henry Belafonte? Harry. Harry Belafonte. Um. 1937. 27. Okay. Jerry Fisher from Jazz Rock American Music Group Blood, Sweat, and Tears. You know one song of theirs, I think. Scored the 1969 U.S. number two single, Spinning Wheel. Oh, yes. And the 1969 U.S. number 12 single, You Make you Made Me So Very Happy. Parentheses, When You Left Town. End parentheses. <laughs> which is not an official title so who is it that i'm supposed to be guessing jerry fisher and the last one was 27 27 38 42 okay and i need you to tell me who this ba- or who this person is okay okay english singer and actor roger daltrey I'm guessing he's part of the who. Nobody can hear you shake your head yes. I said yes. You didn't. You Roll sh- the tape. You shook your head yes. Roll the tape. <laughs> Prove it. God. <laughs> Scored the 1965 UK number two single, My Generation, plus over 20 other UK sing- hit singles. 45. 44. Can you name their two rock operas? Pinball Wizard. That no, is a song from Tommy, one of them. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. I don't is know. one of them. And Tommy was going to be my second guess. Quadrophenia. I don't know that one as well. But what year? 50. 44. <laughs> we'll go a little bit more. Rob Afuso, Afuso, A-F-F-U-S-O. From American heavy metal band Skid Row. I know we brought them up within the last couple weeks. Somebody else had a birthday. The group achieved commercial success in the late 80s and early 90s with its first two albums, Skid Row and Slave to the Grind, the latter of which reached number one number one on the Billboard chart. 52. 63. God damn it. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce this name. But I know the band. Okay. Okay. D A F Y D D. Okay. L E U A N. Okay. That's the. I'm assuming it's David or okay. something similar. Drummer with Welsh rock band Super Furry Animals. Super Furry Animals. You've never heard of them? I have. They have been described as one of the most imaginative bands of our time by Billboard and have released nine UK Top 40 albums. 
What was the last one? 63. 63. Okay, this one is 66. 69. Ryan Peake, guitarist, I'm not going to tell you the band, who had the 2002 U.S. number one and U.K. number four single and the 2001 album. It doesn't tell me that it charted or anything like that. They are one of the most commercially successful Canadian groups, having sold over 50 million albums worldwide. Is it from Nickelback? Uh-huh. Um, that time I heard it, you say, uh-huh, as you shook your head. 77. 73. We're going to do two more and make you sad with both of them. Oh. Kesha. Okay, uh, the fact that you said make it, made it sad, make me sad, is that means they are born after I am. She's in the 90s. Are you sure? Don't do that to me. 90 exactly. No, she's not in the 90s. What is it? 87. Okay. So that makes you feel a little bit better. But also Justin Bieber. Uh, okay, here here's something for you. Is the first artist to have seven songs from a debut album chart on the Billboard Hot 100? 93. 94. Oh my God. That's the only one I got even close. You were close on a couple of them. All right, so we're doing this day in history? Yes. So March 1st, 1958, Buddy Holly played the first of 25 dates on his only UK tour at the Trocadero Elephant and Castle, London, which is just a bunch of random words, apparently. And I don't recognize anybody else that was on the bill. Gary Miller, the Tanner Sisters, Des O'Connor, the Montanas, Ronnie Keene and his orchestra. Does any of that sound familiar? Kind of. 1961, Elvis signed a five-year movie deal with producer Hal Wallace. During his career, Elvis made how many feature films and two documentaries? 42. 31. (laughs) Oh, I was just throwing out a number. I didn't know it would be that high. Elton John's first single was released in 1968. Do you have any idea what the song was called? Oh, we've talked about this before. Uh, with lyrics credited to Bernie, although John later admitted that he wrote the song by himself, giving Bernie credit as an effort to earn him his first publishing royalties. The song did not chart. What is it? I've Been Loving You. Okay. In 1973... And this is a whole, this is an objective fact. The best album was released. The best album of all time. Sgt. Peppers? No. What? Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Uh, In the U.S. Remained on the charts for 741 weeks from 1973 to 1988. Uh, After moving to the Billboard Top Pop catalog chart, the album notched another 759 weeks and had reached a total of over 1,500 weeks on the combined charts by May of 2006. With an estimated 45, 45 million copies sold, it is their most commercially successful album and one of the best-selling albums worldwide. In 1979, Joy Division appeared at the Hope and Anchor in London, England. I don't know why that's important for us. 
but apparently it is. I don't know if that's maybe a, just an early show. Okay. In 19 Here's a fun one for you. Speaking of animals, in 1990, Janet Jackson played the first night on her 128 Rhythm Nation tour, world tour, Rhythm Nation world tour at the Miami Arena in Florida. So why do why did I bring up interesting thing about animals? I don't know. Why did you? As a part of the show, Jackson had a live panther on stage, but after concerns were raised over safety of the crowds and several incidents of the panther urinating on the stage, Jackson axed the cat from the show on, on the summer leg of the tour. All right. Okay. March 1st, 1994. This band played their final ever concert in Germany. Uh, 3,000 capacity venue was a small airport hangar. Power went off halfway through, so they played an impromptu acoustic set, including a version of the Cars' My Best Friend's Girl. Um, shit. It's 94. Yeah. I should give you some kind of clue. I don't know. Nirvana. Okay. Uh, we're going to skip that one and come back to it. Two things happened in 97. Bowie bonds were issued on the U.S. Stock Exchange. Linked to Bowie's back catalog albums with money earned on the bonds via interest from royalties, investors could expect to make an 8% profit in about 10 years. I want one of those. I would have loved to have one. Like, I don't care if it's worthless now, but to find one of those like piece of paper stock things, you know, mm-hmm. that'd be a pretty cool piece. Also... A Motley Crue fan who claimed his hearing had been irreparably damaged after a show in New Jersey had his lawsuit thrown out of court. Court. The judge told him who told the man who had sat near the front of the stage that he knew the risk he was taking. Well, yeah. So this is your fault. Idiot. And also, like, why do you think standing there next to a giant speaker for that long was good? Idiot. Okay, I don't know if this is the only one up to this point or period. This person in 2009 went to number one on the UK singles chart. This is the only American Idol contestant to have topped the UK charts. I don't know if it's to that point or since or as a whole. Okay. So who is it? Not a clue. Kelly Clarkson. Okay. And we'll come back to this one. So look at me, because this is sad, but only kind of. Okay. In 1995, during a gig in uh, Switzerland, REM drummer Bill Berry collapsed on stage from a ruptured brain aneurysm. Ooh. But then he decided to join the band later when, once he recovered. Uh, all right. So he's like, okay. I mean, that's the worst thing that could happen on stage. So, you have any more? No. All right. Well, then I will start saying goodbye. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram and threads at Worst Pod on Mars and on Facebook at Worst Podcast on Mars. You can send us an email, worstpodonmars at gmail.com. Um, give us a rating and a review. That would really help support us. Um, Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's been a while since we've done these, so I'm like, what do what do we what do we say? And by we, I mean I, because you just sit there. Um, on Tuesdays, we do smaller episodes where we focus on albums that are not part of this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. But you can come back next week where we're doing Carol King's Tapestry. Okay, bye.